Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be chatting about Pokemon Card 151, a special collector set, which is going to be coming out later on this year. A lot of those cards have now been revealed in Japanese. We'll be talking about some of the translations, what we're thinking about them moving forward. Um, we'll be talking about some Pokemon card shortages over in Japan, what kind of impact that could have on the competitive market, what's causing those things. It really is going pretty crazy over there. If you think the Pokemon card shortages back in like 2020, early 2021 were bad in the US and in America, um, yeah, it's crazy in Japan right now. We'll, of course, have Guess That Flavor Text, everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. And then we'll be talking about the Sao Paulo and Portland Regional Championships, which are coming up this weekend. Azul is going to be competing in Portland, so maybe give us some insight on what's going through his mind as a competitor heading into this event. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. My name is Chip Ritchie, and I'm joined here, as always, by my friend and co-host, Azul GG. What's up, Azul? How are we doing? How was your week, my friend? Uh, pretty chilly. Nothing special happened. I'm doing a little bit more gaming recently, so I beat the newest, or not the newest, but the the first God of War game in like since they like kind of rebooted it or whatever. Yeah, um, God of War on like then, PS4 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then I actually picked up a uh, yeah, picked up a PS5 because I want to play the new uh Star or the new Star Wars game, Jedi Survivor. And then I also want to play the new God of War as well. And apparently, yeah, the, the Star Wars game apparently is not doing very well on PC. So I didn't even like t- attempt to get it on Steam and like try it out. It was just like, seems like the that uh, was uh, ported over pretty poorly. Yeah, so I've been doing a little bit more gaming this week than I have uh, in uh, recent years, to be honest. Um, I've been enjoying it. I've been the, the new game, like the good new games are like good for sure. So I've been enjoying <laughs> that. It's been because like, I haven't played like a yeah, I haven't played like a video game in a long time, like a triple A yeah released video game in a while. But the good ones are seem to be pretty good. Um, but then the bad ones, uh, there's a lot of bad ones. I feel like though. So, um, but I've only been trying to play the good ones. So that's been fun. <laughs> um, besides that, you know, back to regular streaming, making YouTube videos, same old, same old with me. But how was how about you, Chip? Anything anything exciting happen? Yeah, I actually went and played in Poke- uh, played Pokemon a couple times this past week, so that was pretty fun. I went and played in my locals on Thursday night, which was fun. I uh, got to meet a bunch of local players who I had not met before, a few friends who you know I see every once in a while, got to hang out, play some Pokemon. Um, I think I got like third place in the little local tournament. I lost the last round. Um, I played just Mew VMAX, and then I went to a League Cup this weekend, and I just played Mew VMAX again. At that tournament, I want to talk about something funny that happened in my locals because I in the last round, I was three and playing the only other kid who was three and oh, and he was playing Gudra and I drew really bad the first couple of turns, which happens with Pokemon decks every once in a while. Right. Uh, but I still had a chance to win because Roxanne plus path just can win you games. So pretty much my win con was Roxanne path hit the Gudra, my opponent doesn't draw anything, and then next turn I knock out the Gudra, he's still stuck, and then I can just win the game in like two turns from there. Um, But what happened was off of my own Roxanne, I whiffed it out to Path. Like I whiffed anyway to like thin my hand down and draw cards because I only had like a couple Pokemon in play because my um, early game was like pretty bad, right? And then so I was like, okay, just hopefully my opponent... literally all they needed off the Roxanne was a Drapion, a Nest Ball, a Drapion, a Colrus. Like so many of these things just get them there, right? So I just had to hit the Gudra and just cross my fingers and my opponent draws for turn, looks at his hand, thinks for a minute, plays Colrus, looks at the five Colrus cards, thinks for a few minutes, or like for a few solid seconds, 
looks at his hands, looks at the Colrus cards, lost zones, a Gudra, and a nest ball. And so when he lost <laughs> zone, the nest ball, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy prized his Drapion. He only plays one and he prized it. I'm chilling. I'm, I'm, I'm in a great spot. Uh, I can still win this game. I can totally still win this game. And my opponent looks at his hand for another couple seconds and then plays another nest ball and goes against Drapion <laughs> out of the deck. And I was like, oh, my God. It was just like the worst <laughs> slow roll of all time. He made me think I had a chance and it just didn't happen. So took the took the uh, the third place, I think, after resistance and stuff in the local league. And then I got top four at my league cup, which was pretty cool. Had a fun time playing in a league cup for the first time in like three years so good to see some local carolina area players for the first time in a long time how big was the i'm curious and like for because it seems like a lot of the league cups that i've seen people talking about recently have been pretty big like yeah. bigger than normal how big was the like this one compared to the average you feel like yeah it was like 44 which i i think like for that store pre-pandemic it was probably around the 30s pretty consistently so a, a little mm. bigger than normal for sure yeah so that was cool to see uh there was a couple stores all, in it? the uh, I don't think they capped. No, the store has a lot of space. Actually, since the so it's it's a couple hours away from where I live, so I hadn't been there since before the pandemic. And they actually the shop has moved since the last time I was there from one spot in the like strip mall that it's in to a different spot in the strip mall that is basically like two units wide, so it's uh, a lot bigger. So they have a ton of space now. Um, so they probably could have fit like you know 60, 70 people in there pretty easily um if they needed to but yeah it didn't quite get there there was a couple stores this is just kind of the theme of like north carolina uh cups and challenges and stuff it feels like there was like a couple stores in the area that were within a couple hours that had challenges the same day and so i feel like they probably would have gotten maybe another 15 or so people if it was like the challenges weren't the same day but i mean i don't know they're they're gonna be tournaments the same weekend right no, pretty much no matter what you do because there's so many stores in the area trying to run things so you can't totally avoid the overlap it's just kind of inevitable but um yeah is what it is it was fun uh and you talking about jedi survivor by the way as well made me remember or like you know brought to my mind like i i have really been wanting to play that game because i loved um fallen order the first respawn star wars game it's such a good game and i was excited for fallen order I went to look at it on Steam the day it came out. The reviews are terrible because yeah. the game just like doesn't work for most people on PC for some reason. <laughs> like, I don't know how it's so hard, man, but it feels like so often these games come out on PC that are like made for these cons, like made for the consoles and they just like don't work on PC for whatever reason. Uh, and then also it's $70. Why are video games so expensive now? And it's like, so, I know, and I want to play it, but I know that in like six months, like for black friday or whatever it's gonna be 20 bucks for sure so it's like can i just hold off on playing it and wait for the story and just wait to get it for 20 <laughs> bucks you know like i'll try to avoid story spoilers anything like that but i was excited for it i'll definitely play it at some point it, it maybe if they at least like can fix it on pc yeah what I'll, is that I don't, I don't know how they it has to be that they're like they have a deadline and one of their last things on their list has to be to like make it playable i actually other... saw this thread on twitter from like a game dev or it was like a former dev or something like that uh -huh. and uh, i wonder if i can find it i don't think i'll be able to find it right now but he, he was uh, basically the gist of his thread was like um 
it, it is that hard to like actually make sure it works because everyone out there has like a different system configuration, right? Everyone's got a different yeah. processor working with different, you know, I mean, I don't really know computer stuff all that well. I bought a pre-built PC. Like, I don't really <laughs> know all the ins and outs of that stuff. But everyone just has so many different moving pieces that it's it really can be, from what this guy was saying at least, um, it really can be that hard. But he was getting blown up in his quote retreat retweets. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that for sure. I don't know how all that stuff works um, with all the like. There's so many configurations, like infinite configurations with like PC parts. So. Um, I guess I could see that, but at the baseline of it, it doesn't seem like it should, but <clears throat> I guess if it's coded initially for, you know, a PlayStation, like everyone's PlayStation five is the exact same, right? Right. So, exactly. And that's what yeah. he was saying as well. In his that post. does kind of make, that does kind of make sense to me overall. And then if, like, if you're building it from the ground up for like a PC game, then it would be like coded differently to just be able to have that plug and play um, and have the parts be shifting around from like computer to computer. But it's definitely disappointing because I was excited to play it too. And I was going to, I plan to probably play it on the PC, but I had been wanting to kind of play the God of War Ragnarok game anyway. So I ended up just getting the PlayStation. And I was like, now I can play both of them and I'll be fine. <laughs> Bro, the so, solution uh, can't be for me to have to go out and buy a freaking $500 PlayStation. <laughs> like, that's just, that can't be the answer as well. I can't. I don't know. But the, the dude, PlayStation's been killing it, bro. Like, I don't even know what's the point of even like, I haven't considered ever getting, I've considered getting a PlayStation a couple times over the years, but I haven't thought about ever getting an Xbox in like, since I, since I had the <laughs> yeah. Xbox One. Like, what's the point? Like, the only point was Halo, but now that just Infinite is like free on PC off the rip. So it's like, yeah. Like what's even the point of getting an Xbox anymore these days? But PlayStation comes out with good games, so yeah, um, yeah, definitely excited for that. But yeah, let's go ahead talk about what our first topic, which is going to be the Pokemon card 151 set over in Japan. We have no idea how we're going to get this set, when we're going to get this set. Although it does feel like with it the way the set is, um, you know, the Pokemon 151 is the original 151 Pokemon in a set i think we're probably gonna get it as this set right like how else would we get it yeah i think it would make sense that it's a collector set at some point along the way like um we usually get one collector set a year right like we we get celebrations or champions path or shining fates whatever one in october right it generally is but like shining fates came out in january of 2021 i'm pretty sure we got like two that year I'm pretty sure oh. we got. Yeah, because we got Champions Path and then Shining Fates came out like less than like three was, months after. That was like during COVID, right? So everything was kind of weird yeah. and kind of messed up. Yeah. So that that maybe had something to do with that. We'll see. Yeah, because we got celebrations in 2022, right? Or 2021, into 2021, like into 2022. And what was the one this past year? Pokemon Go, right? Oh, yeah, we got Pokemon Go. Yeah. And that was like last summer. So well, maybe this world will it was be August. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So maybe this will be like a summer special set like we could get in we could get in like july or even august yeah before yeah because we're coming off crown zenith which was a special set as well because because the our next set is coming out i I believe it's coming out june 9th um that's what i saw in my chat i think somewhere i think i saw it somewhere on poke beach as well like our next set paldea evolved is coming out june 9th so i think that'd be a reasonable amount of time to release a non-main set if they release it in july or or august um <clears throat> this set comes out in japan on june 16th oh well that oh okay so probably not well so this would it make it sense though that this comes out before worlds right because uh, it would be kind of weird that there's this whole set nothing. of cards that is out in japan for months and then worlds comes around in august and they can't play with these cards that have been yeah, out but that's half yeah but that's happened 
every time before like last worlds <laughs> like that if that was even at last worlds i think they were playing with newer cards than what than what we had available that's literally every world's ever they yeah. always have to like reset and come back to, to our back. format yeah yeah well it's not even go back it's like go back but then also play with less cards than they had before as well yeah um or up to this point but i don't know maybe maybe we're on the same i don't think we'll be able uh, yeah, well, there's no way we're on the same page for Worlds. I don't think we'll be quite on the same page. Maybe next year. Maybe next year we'll be on the same page. Who knows? Yeah. We have to like uh, up our release, uh, our release uh, schedule a little bit. But may yeah, maybe we get this in August. I think it could be possible, even if it comes out in June in Japan. It's possible we would get this in August. I don't know. If anyone in the comment section has more insight on this kind of stuff, definitely drop a comment. I'd be interested to know. Someone's got the details. I think I was Jake Gearhart was in my chat the other day when I was streaming. And we were talking about it. I think Jake said was talking about how it probably wouldn't be possible for this to be released before Worlds um, or be legal for Worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it'd release like the week of Worlds or something for America or something. But yeah, which it would also seem reasonable as well, to be honest. But I don't know. But hopefully it does because a little bit of a mix up is always nice. Yeah. And it how big of a deal that is totally depends on how good or bad the cards are in the set. And this was the first initial reveal. Of course, this came out like the day that we posted the podcast last week. So yeah, <laughs> uh, we didn't get to talk about it last week. So maybe a little bit of old news now. Um, but initially they just dropped this picture that has all the original 151 Pokemon on it. You can see which cards are going to be EX Pokemon. We see like an Arbok EX Wigglytuff EX. I think that's the first ever ultra rare Arbok card. I think Wigglytuff had a, a GX. I'm pretty sure there's a oh, that's actually kind of a surprise. Me. I, I would have assumed Arbok not actually having a Arbok, I guess, did kind of fall off after like its initial release, though. Like it wasn't because yeah. it's, it's one of those stage ones that it, when I think about it, I feel like it would have had an ultra rare. Yeah, maybe uh, like an old EX or something you would think. But yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, it has never maybe had an ultra rare print um but yeah then there's like a ultra rare you know there's a venusaur charizard and blastoise ex i don't think anyone should be super surprised by that one of the things i saw a lot of competitive players freaking out about was the fact that there's a vile plume with an ability <laughs> which out. is always a little scary <laughs> they're always good usually good i think we've had some stingers in the past they also there's also so there's yeah there's uh some of the types have changed for some of the pokemon there's also dark pokemon there's metal pokemon which obviously like it's the original pokemon but they've switched up some of their attributes or whatever you want to call it there's like a water jinx ex which i don't think well, anyone's yeah, excited jinx for was always a nice type well yeah but i'm just saying like <clears throat> i guess the only one we don't know if it's gonna be an ex or not is mewtwo right because that's what that is after mew right no mewtwo's right here oh what's after mew then is that just a blank Nothing. space yeah so... oh because it to fill out the poster yeah. oh i literally thought that was mewtwo and we just didn't know what it what type it was yet or what it was so the mewtwo's a non-ex okay yeah but it has an ability Looks like it's got an ability there. No, no, it doesn't have an ability. It looks like it's got a two oh, colorless attack. attack. Yeah, it's like a two colorless attack and then oh, a psychic psychic suck. colorless attack. Man, all right. I thought that blank. Yeah, I thought the blank card there. I like didn't do the math in my head. I was like, I thought that was the Mewtwo, and that's like the one thing they hadn't revealed yet was the Mewtwo. But... So there are a few cards over here on the side that you can't quite see because of the promo image. There's something covering them up, and I believe I wrote it down. What are the cards? It's a um. A Tangela, a Pincer, and a Kabuto, which since this post came out, there are a few cards that we've gotten full scans of and translations of. So we'll talk about the Charizard, Venusaur, and Blastoise here in just a moment. Uh, but we know now what the, the Kabuto is. It's nothing special, obviously. Kabutops, also not super special. But we don't know what Pincer looks like. We don't know what Tangela looks like. Could there be a Pincer EX here, potentially? I would be a fan of that. Pincer was actually a Pokemon that I was always... Uh, a Pokemon I always really liked when I was a kid because it's like a rare bug type you could only find in the Savari zone. 
I literally had to just like look up Pinsir and remind myself what Pin- that's what I thought it was. I li- that's what I thought it was, but I was like, is that a different Pokemon? There's so many now, bro. I feel like that's fair. Also, um, what do you think of this? There's an Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres, but only the Zapdos is an EX. Yeah, I mean that's almost like a good thing, right? Because that almost feels like it's for balancing purposes around the competitive game and less around collecting, right? Yeah, like, I guess that that's that is because that, that does feel off as far as like collectors would go, but for competitors i mean we can only look at that i feel like for competitors it doesn't really matter for people who are more competitive it's just like as long as the, as long as there's new cool interesting cards constantly coming out that's all that really matters um but that i feel like that's a sign that is kind of probably tailored towards the play of the game and less of the collector aspect and this feels does this is like a collector set um i feel like but it doesn't feel as collectory as some of the past collector sets have felt this almost feels a little well, bit more we haven't like, seen if there's any gold cards or uh, yeah, that's arts. what I'm saying. We haven't seen those yet, so that's one of the reasons. Like we haven't seen any of that. Like it doesn't exist, and you got like I don't know. So it feels a little bit less collectory than like previous collector sets. It feels like it's a little bit more toward geared the cards being uh, useful. But yeah, you're right. We have not seen the alternate arts and the gold and Dude, the. I promise you, there's a full art and a secret rare Charizard. I promise you, those. What if cards, it's just like... 151 cards though? What if it's just those? That's it. Well, it's, it's not though set? because we know there's trainer cards coming. Oh out. yeah, never mind, never mind. Get okay, body. yeah, there yeah, is we're, more. We're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are some other cool things here. I mean, obviously, we don't know what any of this stuff does, but we see there's like a Mister Mime with an ability. Bench barrier returns Azul potentially. Mister Mime has said a little bench early twice. I feel like they line it up usually for like each every time rotation hits bench barrier. Every time rotation hits in Japan, they just give them a new bench barrier. Yeah. There's like a basic Snorlax with an ability. Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres all are basics with abilities. Pretty much anytime something just is a basic with an ability. Yeah, anytime something's a basic with an ability, you like have a little ray of hope, like, oh, this is gonna do something cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's gonna be cool. Yeah, abilities in general, to be honest. But yeah, definitely basics, because they're so they're so much easier to utilize in like splash and decks to potentially use. Um, stage ones, eh, I mean, you got B barrels, like stuff like B barrels, cool, but it's a little sure. bit harder to, to take advantage of those kind of things. But yeah, that is true. Basics with abilities are always intriguing. Does the Weezing have an ability too? Yeah, Weezing does have an ability, Blissy and it's got a, a lot of abilities. Wait, hang on, it's got a two colorless attack. It looks like oh, spread Weeze coming back. Could it be the return, <laughs> Azul? It could be. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't yeah. know, there was a Weezing from Unbroken Bonds a few years ago that was pretty decent in competitive play like a lot of people played it it was like probably the last good spread deck that we had was this deck i think yeah it, like spread decks have always been pretty mediocre even before that i can't remember the best spread deck before wheezing um yeah it might yeah, just be was the definitely best spread deck it may, is that the best spread deck of all time it could be it, yeah. it was it was almost it was pure spread in most matchups but you had a few closers in there like the larvitar and the yeah, Ross and stuff like that. It was a really cool deck. Weezing was a really cool deck, uh, for sure. Yeah, the Lele as well. Yeah, so Weezing was really, really cool. So yeah, there's um, plenty of stuff to be excited about here from what we've seen. Uh, it's like also the most excited it... I've been for a set in a while. To be honest, I'm more excited for this than like the main set. Like, the there's how so they evolved? <laughs> yeah, there's so many things we don't know about. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's like the most I've ever dug into a set before. But, yeah, let's take a look at the the most relevant cards we've seen so far. Yeah, so the most recent reveal showed a few trainer cards and then also the Venusaur, Charizard, and Blastoise. Kind of makes sense that these are the three that they'd show off first. They're kind of the the most popular, the flagship, right? So we've got Venusaur EX. It's a stage two grass type, 340 hit points, a lot of HP, uh, with the ability Soothing Bloom once during your turn. If this Pokemon is in the active spot, you may heal 60 damage from one of your Pokemon potent whip as the attack for grass grass colorless 150 damage your opponent's active pokemon is now poisoned and confused 
Azul, I think they did Venusaur dirty here with this one. Yeah, dude, grass Pokemon have been getting like the short end of the stick for a while, it feels <laughs> like. Like, what was the last good grass deck? Oh, no, I, we talked about this on my stream the other day. It was Rillaboom Tag Teams, I think was like the last good grass Rallet deck. Executor. Yeah, someone else mentioned a different deck in there as well, but I was like, nah, that one that one wasn't actually that good. But yeah, I think it was like Rillaboom Tag Teams was like the last good grass deck. Yeah, it, just been, it was like yeah. super competitive. It wasn't even that good either. It was like a tier <laughs> three deck probably, like maybe tier two. It was, it was like solid, but yeah. Hey, listen, yeah. bro. We've got Wo Chien with the Fortress EX coming out soon. That's all we need. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's the next good grass deck. Um, but uh, and also another type that hasn't been getting a lot of love recently is also the Fire type, and we are getting that Charizard EX, three hundred thirty HP, stage two. Got the Resolute Claws for one Fire Energy, sixty plus one hundred damage. If you have any damage counters on the Charizard. And then for fire, 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 330 damage, but then you have to discard three energy from this Pokemon. So 330 damage, you're one of in pretty much everything. And you have yep. 330 HP, which means you're surviving pretty much everything. I don't know, that feels like a decent combo, but four fire energy seems like a lot. It's a pretty steep cost. And I always talk about this whenever we have fire Pokemon <laughs> uh, get revealed, but fire actually does have pretty good support right now. Obviously, it's got Magma Basin, I always say this. It's one of the best stadiums that Pokemon has ever printed. Just the fire type Pokemon in the format are not that good right now. Fire Magma Basin does combo with this card, obviously, right? You put damage yep. <laughs> counters on the Pokemon with Magma Basin. So you're doing a bunch of damage for I mean, 160 for one energy is pretty energy efficient. You're going to two hit KO yeah. most things in the format. Um, and then there are ways to get energies onto this guy, right? You like attach return and then you can get like the armor rouge from sword and shield base set to move fire energy mm -hmm. from your bench up to the active. There is also the Pokemon go Charizard, which has an ability that doubles all your fire energy in play makes it. So each of your fire energy provides uh, two fire energy. So you could use that second attack for just two fires. That does of course rely on setting up two stage two Pokemon, but at least they're from the same evolution line, right? Yeah, you'd have that going for you. It definitely seems rough, but I think it is a little bit better than Venusaur. And, like, maybe just that power, right? High HP, high damage. Um, it could be a, you know, the right mix uh, for a potential success for the Charizard. Definitely potentially, right? Like, I feel like if the stats get high enough, it doesn't matter how awkward the energy cost sometimes is, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if Charizard quite makes it there. Um, but I think the best of the three... Uh, let me take a look at next the last one here the Blastoise EX 330 HP solid shell ability you take 30 less damage from attack so effectively 360 HP so actually the tankiest of the three if you don't count Venusaur, Venusaur actually healing anything um, and then for two water energy you can discard up to two water energy from your hand and you do 140 damage for each card discarded from your hand you can cap out you do 280 damage for two water but it does require you to have two more waters in your hand um but those are some pretty good numbers, and I feel like the attack cost isn't too high, and two, 280 is still a pretty good number, I think, in the current meta. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to mention as well, I mean, we were talking about these Pokemon on this page with uh, that we, we don't know what they all do yet. There is a Starmie here. It's a stage one, and it has an ability, and in the past, there has been Starmie that has the Space Beacon ability. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you ditch a card from your hand to get back two energy cards from your discard pile. So that's a, I mean, that's a reasonable combo here. Obviously, you are setting up a stage two, so that's tough. Water with the next set is getting a decent bit of support. You're getting the Chiam Pao EX, which is 
solid as an attacker and with a good ability. And you're also getting the Backscalibur, which has the a, a Deluge type ability, a Rain Dance type ability that could get a bunch of energy cards into play for you. I do foresee a potential issue with a deck like this, though, where even though you've got a lot of hit points, you're going to eventually get to the point in the game where, you know, even if you get ahead on prizes, your opponent can just go, I own you to one or two cards, and then this attack does nothing if you don't discard any energy from your hand, right? So if they stick you with a hand of one or two cards and you don't have a way to see more things, you're going to be in a tough spot. Yeah, definitely. But we'll have to see. Yeah, but that definitely seems like the most... Uh... Reasonable of the three. The, the one with the most potential, I think, is definitely Blastoise. A lot of HP, decent amount of damage. Weak to Lightning's not that bad. Um, so yeah, maybe Blastoise will be uh, be the one to kind of come out on top here. But yeah, like, after like talking about this, like, yeah, Grass Pokemon and Fire Pokemon, what, like, they just haven't been good for a while. I guess Fire's always... Fire's had a lot of it's a spotlight. Though. I guess it's just Grass Pokemon recently, to be honest. Um, yeah. Fire Pokemon are usually pretty good. Yeah, a couple Fire Pokemon's as got... Well. Fire Pokemon's oh, carried boy. by one of the strongest Pokemon in the format right now, though, with Radiant Charizard, right? Like, it's just like, that guy's yeah, just solid. <laughs> 250 damage on a basic one energy attack. It's not pretty, a fire deck. Nuts. It's just, that's just a fire Pokemon. But that does show how broken sure. the card is, I guess. And then there's three trainer cards here we can talk about. Let's just get leftovers out of the way first. Probably the least interesting one. This is a reprint that originally released in the Diamond Pearl era, but it's gotten a buff. Because if the Pokemon this card is attached to is your active Pokemon at the end of your turn, you heal 20 damage from that Pokemon. The old one was heal 10 damage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we got a buffed buff. leftovers, but this is just a nerfed uh, citrus. Is it citrus berry that I'm thinking of? There was one, I think, from Sword and Shield that literally did this, but it healed 30. <laughs> well, it's not nerf. You can use it. You can have it get happen multiple times, though. Like, oh, sure. I mean, I assume if we're healing our Pokemon, it's surviving the turn. Right? Yeah, but it's like this is a card <laughs> that was never played, Citrus Berry, and it's like they're giving us a worse version of it. Like no one's gonna play it, right? Well, no, but Citrus Berry discards at the end of your turn. Oh, this stays. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. No, that's no, what I'm saying. No, so no, you no, could no. get like you could heal 40, 60. Some people are talking about this okay. on Gudra. Like this plus Crystal Cave in a deck. Okay. Oh, okay. Hey, four Corviknight V Max, four Crystal Cave, four hey, leftovers hey, on each. <laughs> Venusaur EX heal sixty. <laughs> <laughs> nah <laughs> we're still doing 150 damage well i don't know i don't know if the yeah if venusaur can survive the hit i guess maybe that's no it's heal 80 with the ability plus the leftovers okay never mind i'm sold yeah <laughs> wait and it also says if it's at the end of your turn as well yeah, it's so not it's not even turns. it's not even between turns if this was oh, between no, be turns yeah between yeah. turns would probably be a little too good right just a passive heal 40 every turn I don't think that would be too good. I think you could maybe make a uh, deck, though. You could maybe make that work. I don't think it would be too good. I wouldn't be too I, good. But Okay, okay, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I, I, I think mean, it would probably devolve into some degenerate uh, high HP deck that nobody can deal with. Like, I mean, obviously, it's not the type of card that's going to be played in your normal Pokemon deck, right? But, like, there, if there's a card that can heal 40 damage every turn, there's definitely going to be something somewhere along the way that, like, you just slap that thing on there, your Crystal Cave, like you mentioned, you reduce damage with your Gudra, and then the thing just never dies. Yeah, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Be, we haven't had a deck like that in a while, I feel like. like I feel like Gudra is that deck, but it's not, you know, it's not like a Stone Journer. Like, that's like a, that's like a, like a archetype of deck or a uh, archetype variant of deck that we don't see often in the Pokemon TCG, where you like, can make one really tanky dude um, and you just hope you just try and keep it alive the whole game. Yeah. Because um, Gudra's kind of like that, but you also have to like threaten a second Gudra most of the time, and then either they go pick off that Gudra, which is fine, because then you still have your, your Gudra basically got another swing in, 
but it's not like yeah it's not like a stone journey type deck where it's like you know you just got to keep it alive for the whole time um so i wouldn't mind that being good i mean it being broken would probably be a little bit annoying you should have stone journey mirrors going on all day that's not fun <laughs> but um and we got uh, two other trainer cards here one of them an item card snatch arm look at your opponent's hand choose a pokemon you find there and put it at the bottom of your opponent's deck and then Erica's invitation, your opponent reveals their hand, choose a basic Pokemon you find there and put it on their bench, then switch in that Pokemon to the active spot. So Snatch Arm uh, doesn't seem great. I mean, being able to pull cards out of your opponent's hand is extremely powerful, but the fact that it's limited to a Pokemon specifically is really not super good because, I mean, there's a decent chance your opponent just doesn't have a Pokemon in their hand. Yeah. The only way I could see that being played is as like a cup, like a few of in like a control deck, Roxanne, Snatch Arm, decide sure. what you do from there. Um, or like the if the format got super degenerately aggressive and then you're like playing for Snatch Arm because it's just a card you can play during your turn and you're like, you're trying to just aggro disrupt your opponent with anything you can. Like your deck plays four Crushing Hammer, four Snatch Arm. Like, <laughs> Um, it would be a very bad format if we played four snatch arm in every single deck. So uh, probably cool control card. And that's what we kind of see with the Erica's invitation as well, right? Like I'm sure uh, Sander, we always bring up Sander when we read these kind of cards. I'm sure Sander read that <laughs> and already has some ideas of how to cook that up. Because not only is it like an effective like echoing horn or we saw Sander's control deck that was just played at UIC, played the Manaphy that looks at your opponent's hand uh, and takes Pokemon out of it and puts it on their bench, but also pulling those Pokemon to the active while not using your attack for the turn, but it does use your supporter for the turn, so it's like a trade-off. You're not using your supporter for the turn, but you still get your attack for the turn, um, and you don't end your turn with the uh, the use of the card, and then it pulls it to the active spot. Like that's that seems like it could be pretty good in uh, in a control deck. Like right, there's there'll definitely be situations where that could come up. Yeah, Sander did oh. even tweet after this Erica was announced. He tweeted like a few hours after it was announced. Once again, shout out to the card designers who somehow managed to sneak in at least one card every sets that's precisely tailored to my favorite play style. Not entirely sure how it always happens, but it is appreciated. So someone at, <laughs> at Creatures Making Cards is looking out for Sander for sure. Yeah, they're a big fan of Sander's decks. And it's just like, <laughs> well, give him a little bit every time. Just like, you can't give him too much because then everyone's going to be doing it. Just enough for Sander to keep cooking uh, and chugging along. But yeah, I think that's all the all the 151 cards that are worth taking a look at and going over. I'm sure we'll talk about some more as they are. I don't know, are yeah. they all going to be revealed? I don't know if they're all yeah. going to be revealed like eventually. But we'll as more pop up that are worth mentioning, we'll definitely share them with you on the podcast. Um, what yeah, did we did kind of there oh, was an Onyx, a Raichu, and then a Kabutops and Omastar. Like all those have been revealed, but they're not really anything special. So yeah um they did bring back fossils that's cool so they brought back a new the fossils different now. i guess we could mention that it's got 60 hp still a item card so you can't start with it as your basic right but you can mm -hmm. play it 60 hp pokemon and then it's got an ability now that says it takes 30 less damage from attacks so it's tanky yeah and it's kind of interesting too because it only evolves this oh, one only evolves that. into to kabuto so theoretically oh, so we don't know be one that only evolves into to uh omanite so as my, well my, we might have a different ability then. It could there'll be different fossils then, I guess. Yeah, it'll yeah, probably be similar to the fossil. old dome fossil, yeah. right? Yeah, where uh, I bet cold. Helix fossil is going to say like, you old may Helix. heal thirty damage from this Pokemon, yeah. or something like that. Well, it's probably going to, or useless. if your opponent attacks it, they take ten damage. Yeah. Okay, so the fossils are are changing up. Fossil Pokemon also haven't been good for a while, so, and I don't think this one these are changing it at all. <laughs> no, yeah, not really um, worth chatting about. We did mention. 
uh, a little bit with this. Like this is going to be the kind of like a collector set. And the next thing we're going to talk about is the Pokemon card shortages in Japan. Another thing we'll talk about, we'll mention, go through all this first, but I want to kind of talk a little bit about how we feel like the collector side of things has kind of impacted the potentially like the competitive side of things over the last couple of years. But yeah, in Japan, they can't get cards. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. This was made pretty evident with the release of Clay Burst and Snow Hazard. Hexter tweeted this picture out, actually, outside of a store the night before the set even drops. I mean, it's just like the streets crowded with people waiting to get in to a shop to have a chance to buy the new the Clay new Burst, set. Snow Hazard. Yeah. Right. And I think that the main reason for this is pretty obviously because of the Iono SAR card, because people were anticipating it to be ridiculously expensive. Uh, card shops after the set came out were buying the card, offering to buy the card. Like this is what card shops were buying it for, for 220,000 yen, which is approximately 1600 USD. Um yeah, pretty wild. I think it has come down a little bit. I was looking online a little bit and I saw some people, I think, on like eBay selling them for like 1300 ish dollars. But yeah, I mean, yeah, absurdly expensive for a modern card. Um, not something that we see too often in the Pokemon TCG. And I think I have to imagine the English version well, of this come, card is like going to be $400 on eBay right now. I'm like looking the SAR or the SR. Oh, there is a difference. Hang yes. on. Yeah, sixteen hundred. <laughs> yep, yep. There is a difference. Yeah, fifteen hundred. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Which is so. It's just so bizarre because it's like this is this is like really weird to me because obviously like the older stuff gaining value makes sense, but this newer stuff like off the rip. Obviously, it's gonna go down a lot, right? I probably uh, and it'll bounce back, and as years go on, it'll gain more value. But it's like the the value of these cards is created by the people who want the cards, not by the company itself, right? But it's yeah. almost like it's inflated. Pokemon, I feel like, is so inflated. Um, there's just like a, a weird amount of hype around Pokemon for like no reason. I feel like um, over. I mean, obviously, like it blew up over the pandemic, but it's kind of like still going, and it just feel it just feels weird to be honest. Like I don't know. Well, I mean, I think it makes sense, right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is all kind of like old topics, right? Back in the early days of the pandemic. But it was kind of a perfect storm of things where um, <clears throat> Pokemon came to the forefront of pop culture again due to... Um, it was like a lot of just... It was a perfect storm of situations happening all at once, right? So the pandemic, everyone's locked inside. So people are looking for new hobbies, new things to do, right? Pokemon is something that has always been popular. Um, and then Logan Paul does his little thing where, you know, he opens up a first edition box. Yeah. <clears throat> that puts a lot of eyes onto it. A lot of people get interested again. They start thinking about going to buy cards. Pokemon releases Champion's Path, which has a secret rare shiny Charizard in it and a... Uh, rainbow rare charizard v max in it so two really big chase cards in it of one of the most iconic pokemon to people for people to chase after and also the u.s government gave everyone twelve hundred dollars <laughs> as a <laughs> stimulus check so i mean it was like a perfect storm of things happening for people to just go out and spend money and buy these cards and um yeah we're still experiencing some of that i think for sure uh, i mean obviously this is more about the japanese market which is its own kind of separate yeah. thing um but yeah, I mean, and it is 
so and the reason this card is so expensive is also another kind of perfect storm of situations right because it's no real secret that the waifu cards as many people refer to them you know the <laughs> the the female character cards are generally more expensive not going to comment on why that may or may not be but it is what it is <laughs> so i mean that's the case with this card you know a waifu card and also a super good competitive card going to be a staple meta card going to be a four of and plenty of decks i have to imagine i mean this is a card that's going to see tons and tons of play so both of those things being true i think have contributed to it driving up the price yeah it just kind of feels unfortunate because it is like it feels like a lot of pokemon is more about the money and like forcing things to be worth more uh like even with all this stuff in japan there's like a massive just kind of shortage of product in general or what was that other tweet you said you saw another tweet out there where um they were banning adults from buying pokemon cards was that it <laughs> yeah 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 let me find it again did i not um, link it here I'm yeah so there's like it. it's just like pokemon is so much more about money and we saw that even with like other stuff too in pokemon where it's like where they, where they had like the packs of cards in the cereal boxes and then you saw those pictures of people with like shopping carts full of cereal boxes to get the pokemon packs out of the cereal boxes yeah, it was just kind of unfortunate. And I'm fine for stuff to be worth money and things to be rare and collectible, but like it feels so forced nowadays. It just kind of feels it's not natural. It's not like a natural uh the cards aren't like naturally becoming worth more and rare and all that stuff. It's kind of being like forced. It's like instead of new Charizard coming out and being like some people like it, some people don't, and then you kind of wait a couple years and then it becomes worth more money and the people who had it. It's like it's like, it's like any Charizard that comes out now is like automatically and I feel like it wasn't that way for a while. Um, yeah. or at least not in the numbers that we're in now and then yeah any waifu card that drops nowadays is like instantly worth or at least this one sixteen hundred dollars <laughs> like that's just absurd um yeah it feels like really forced and not very not like a na not naturally like how it kind of did before but maybe that is the way humans are that this is now the new natural progression of of pokemon cards being uh worth as much money as they are so with all this happening with, you know, the lines being ridiculous, people are having a hard time buying the new cards, having a hard time getting their hands on these sets. So shops have kind of tried to do their own thing to implement <laughs> ways to get around it. We were talking, as we mentioned, there's a shop in Japan. They tweeted out that they were um, banning anyone that is an adult from buying cards. We are selling packs for only customers under junior junior high school. <laughs> And then they'll restock these packs every single day. So, I mean, that's kind of wild to see yeah. um, something that they're feeling like they're resorting, being resorting to having to do. And then um, the, all of this led to, to Pokemon having to just kind of release a statement about it, recognizing the situation. And I'm pretty sure this is also the second time that Pokemon, the Pokemon company in Japan, not the Pokemon company international that we deal with in America and the Western part of the world, but the Pokemon company, which just deals with Japan and other parts of Asia, I believe, um, tweeting that, or they, they posted on their website. It's all in Japanese, but, oh, hang on. We can, uh, we can translate it. Translate. Let me get back into the right link. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, translate. There we go. Uh, they, they say, thank you. 
for the continued patronage of our products. Again, this is going to be Google Translate, so not perfect. But regarding the product shortage announced on April the 14th, we will inform you about future measures. We are preparing to reship the following products as soon as possible, saying that they're going to reprint more of these cards. And we're considering manufacturing to order the following products. Details will be announced around mid-May, which is just the Clay Burst pack. So not Snow Hazard, but just Clay Burst, because that's the set that everyone really wants, because that's the one that has the $1,600 Iono in it. Yeah. That's kind of like an unfortunate and like that's kind of like talking about like the collector side of things having like an unfortunate impact. Um, definitely less so uh, here. Obviously, it's more so in Japan, but like cards are just harder to get for everyone. Everything's a little bit more expensive because of like kind of the like I said, like the forced it's almost like forced market inflation of everything with Pokemon right now. Like things are just worth more. It almost feels like not because people want it, but it's because people want it to be worth more money. And it's less so to do with the card, people actually wanting the card. I know there's some people who are out there, you know, who are like truly just like trying to collect. And who knows, maybe they'll sell some of their cards in the future. So they're not going to hold on to them forever. But like there are people who do want, um, who are huge Charizard fans and really just want the, the Charizard X coming out of the 151. Um, but then I feel like there's a lot of people who are just trying to get as many Charizards as they possibly can out of 151 to just try and resell them and push the price up as much as they possibly can. And that's like become a big part of the, the Pokemon trading yeah. card game, which means Pokemon company is making a lot more money, which means TPCI is probably making a lot more money, which means they could have probably put a little bit more money into PTCG Live or more prize support for <laughs> Pokemon events. But, some way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but apparently, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with all that with all that money, but it'd be cool to see some of it put back into the, the actual game. Well, I mean, I think day. that has to do with like, I mean... Well, they gotta more know cards. the they they know the like they know their consumer base right like yeah. I bet I've said this it doesn't mean they couldn't the I don't know if I've said it on the podcast or not but like I I would bet that like one percent of people who even buy Pokemon cards even know how to play the game I mean it's like a tiny portion of people who buy Pokemon cards even know that a competitive game exists right um, I mean it happens all the time whenever like I'm hanging out with friends that are like meeting people that don't like aren't in the gaming and pokemon world just normal you know actual humans actual npcs out there in the world uh when i'm meeting <laughs> people and like you know the conversation always comes up with oh what do you do and i talk about casting and pokemon and stuff they're like i just had no idea something like that even existed and these people all definitely know that pokemon cards exist right but like people don't know like it's just such a small percentage of the population that even cares about competitive and playing the game. Um, so, I mean, Pokemon probably knows that, or they should know that. Um, and so, I mean, I'm not going to say like they don't care about the competitive scene. Cause I think it, there's a lot of people who really heavily care about competitive Pokemon who work at the Pokemon company. But um, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense that you would devote your resources to where you're making the most money, right. <laughs> As just a business chip the t the tpci apologist strikes again no, bro uh, i'm trying to be <laughs> subjective i mean obviously yeah obviously yes is that is unbiased it is reasonable like that is reasonable that is yeah. but it doesn't mean uh we still can't ask um for a little bit more a little bit more from big peaks pockets um but yeah i mean yeah i feel like it, it definitely definitely the whole collector side of things blowing up as big as it has and like i said Less so even just like kind of collector, but more so people just trying to make cards worth as much as they possibly can. Because, you know, there's all those people who like, you know, the people who like probably like, you know, just try and buy shoes and resell them. 100% over the pandemic, tons of those kind of people got into Pokemon cards oh, and yeah. like are now still here 
buying the new sets every time and just like reselling it or flipping it and stuff like that. So the, yeah, those people who are like always trying to make as much money off of people's, you know, want for something. Uh, there's a lot more of those in the Pokemon TCG now after the for sure. pandemic. But, uh, but yeah, I think that covers most of that. Unless you had anything else you want to talk about. I don't think so. And before we move on to guess that flavor text, we do need to take a moment to thank our sponsor of the podcast, Dragon Shield. Huge thanks, as always, to Dragon Shield for being a sponsor of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. Dragon Shield makes some of the best card gaming and tabletop gaming products and accessories on the market, including sleeves, binders, deck boxes, and much, much more. This week, like I mentioned, I went to um, a league, uh, my local Pokemon League. I also went to a League Cup, and at those tournaments, I used the lagoon dual mat sleeves which i'm a big fan of i love the color and actually i I, i've generally preferred the matte sleeves over the dual mats over the last you know couple years or so but i really like the way these felt um they shuffled super nice i didn't feel like the corners caught or anything like that which is something that has happened for me with dual mats in the past these felt like absolutely amazing shuffled super nicely felt great to fidget with in my hand while my opponent is playing their turn you know the whole the pokemon player shuffle but yeah big fan of the color for sure i gotta pick out uh i think i used those the lagoons actually at a regional not too long ago but i gotta pick out what i'm gonna be using for i'm probably using the blood reds again for portland because i got quite a few of those left so i'm probably rocking the blood reds this next week or because it's coming up weekend at portland um yeah huge shout out to dragon shield as always yeah, Azul using the blood red because he smells the blood in the water coming to strike, <laughs> coming to get his next regionals win. Shout out once again and thank you to Dragon Shield for being a sponsor. You can find them on their website, dragonshield.com slash webshop and then slash US or EU, depending on when you're located to pick up the sleeves or any of their other products. You can also find many of those products at your local card shops, your local game stores and many big box retailers. All right, so let's move on to guess that flavor text. This week, it's my turn to pick a flavor text for Chip and then have Chip try and guess which Pokemon that flavor text on that card belongs to. Chip is up four points right now because Chip did get a four-pointer not last week, but the week before. And then How many points did you get last week? Zero. (laughs) And if Chip gets this one right this week, it could be another four points unless Chip uses one of the lifelines of what set the card is from, what stage the card is, or read an attack name from the card. And then uh, if you use all the lifelines or any of the lifelines, you get minus one point. All the lifelines will be minus three points. Chip, are you ready for your flavor text this week? I'm so ready, and I'm so ready to get so far ahead that you're never going to catch up. Okay. A discovery was made in the desert where blank fly. The ruins of what may have been an ancient city were found beneath the sands. Okay. So instantly... When you said this, my thought went to um, Flygon for some reason. It's like the sand Pokemon. I think you find uh, Trap Inch in like the, or Vibrava maybe. You find them in like the deserty, the sandstormy region of the Pokemon Emerald and Ruby and Sapphire map. Um, there's also the fossil Pokemon from that region. Kind of just the first things that came to my mind. Let me have you read it one more time, Azul. <clears throat> a discovery was made in the desert where blank fly the ruins of what may have been an ancient city were found beneath the sands. I mean, so it could also be like a fossil Pokemon. It could be like Aerodactyl, right? But it says a discovery was made where blank fly. So that doesn't sound like a fossil Pokemon because where it would say like where blank 
flew right or where their fossils were found um do fossil pokemon so yeah. work like in the lore of the like the universe they're are they fossils or are they pokemon, pokemon? they're pre yeah, but, do they, pokemon? but do they exist bro have you how has this guy never played an old pokemon <laughs> game it just doesn't make you you find the fossils azul as you play through the game no, and you like take them to, you take them to oh, a research yeah, lab yeah. i did that revive yeah. the pokemon back uh, to life. so you get this prehistoric it's literally jurassic park but in they allow that like it's not like technically like cloning Bro, who knows what the ethics like, of the Pokemon, I don't, yeah, what the ethics ethics of the Pokemon is... world have to differ from that of our There own needs to be all. a debate. We need an ethics debate on <laughs> uh, reviving fossil Pokemon um, in the Pokemon universe. Like, okay. what is it? Yeah. You're trying you to distract about that? me here, and it's not right, going to work. <laughs> and you're trying to distract me because I think I was on to something initially. Vibrava or Flygon is kind of what I'm leaning towards now because they fly in like sandstormy sandstormy areas let me uh use some lifelines here i don't think it's going to be a four point spike but that is where i'm kind of leaning right now let me go with what um let me go with what stage the card is the basic okay so it is not vibrava or flygon <laughs> um okay so that's and trap inch fly i actually you know, i was like i don't know Trap inch, no, so. trap inch is just a little freaking dirt gremlin or something. <laughs> yeah, it's not like a bug, but it's yeah. like a kind of looks like a bug. It's kind of a bug. Flygon not being a bug type is, is something. Um, it's kind of cool for me though, for someone who doesn't like play the video game, because to sometimes like go look up a full image of the Pokemon, and like sometimes in the cards, you can't truly see what a Pokemon fully looks like until you look at like an image. Oh, yeah, it looks very different looking at like the card artwork versus a 3D yeah. sprite for sure. Yeah. So I went to go look up Trap Inch. I was like, what is that? You just see his head in the card artworks. It's like, yeah. He's got little feet. He's got little legs, bro. Yeah. Trap Inch kind of um, looks like a bug. Okay, you're distracting me. Calm no, down. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm ready for you to guess. Well, now I, I'm sure you are. Um, now I'm thinking of like um, Aerodactyl again. So I'm going to need to use some more lifelines because I need some help. But let's go with what set the card is from. Uh, Fusion Strike. Bro, you have been loving Fusion Strike recently. What the heck? That's where the Indeedee was from. Let me have you read an attack name. Hey, was it? Yes. Attack name? Yeah. Reflect energy. Reflect energy. Is it not to? Is that your guess? Not to? That's my guess, yes. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't sure what attack name to go with on this one. The other attack name was Joust. But I feel like that one could be a dead giveaway because Joust is not how many Pokemon, but it is a Sigilyph. Oh. Um, Fusion Strike. Um, yeah. Apparently they fly. Apparently they Joust. That's not the I right just one. don't that think warning. of Sigilyph as a Pokemon that flies, but it I just is don't think a of Sigilyph as a Pokemon. Type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sigilyph's kind of a forgettable Pokemon, to be honest. Yeah, when you think of it, it's kind of, it kind of is unique, but it doesn't stand out. Like, you're not going to think of a Sigilyph. Like. Yeah. Dang. That was a good one. That was a good one. And even in the card artwork here, you can see, like, the ruins of an ancient city. But, yeah, that that is yeah. a – that totally makes sense now that I know what it is. <laughs> no points it makes for me sense to me. <laughs> Bro, Azul just doesn't even like Pokemon. I just don't – I just don't know too much of the Pokemon lore. My Pokemon lore is limited. Um <laughs> All right, but uh, yeah, we remain chip ahead four. Let us know how you did this week. How many points did you get on the Sigilyph? 
whether we get the full four or not. And we'll be moving on to talk about Portland and Sao Paulo regionals this weekend. I believe this is the next major events in this format, right? I don't think anything else has happened since UIC. Am I wrong? Am I right? I kind of think was I think there was like a Southeast so. Asia tournament. I feel like I saw something on Twitter. Oh, me too. Yeah, I did. It was recent. It was uh it was a Lugia mirror. It's on Pokestats. Okay. I don't know what it what level of tournament. It was a bigger tournament for sure. Um yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can find it on Pokestats. Major event data 2023 season. Malaysia regionals. Yeah. Malaysia Regional League. 177 players. And it was won by Lugia V-Star, like you mentioned. So yeah, we do yeah. have some other results to look at, which is kind of this is kind of interesting. So it was two Lugias in the finals. And I I don't know if you agree as well, but I've almost felt like Lugia's been on kind of a downswing for me. Uh, as yeah. far as like people talking about it, people wanting to play it. It's not a very enjoyable deck to play for sure. Um, yeah, the deck is definitely not very enjoyable. And uh, yeah, it's just not a very enjoyable deck. I don't think it's as good as I initially thought it was or kind of anyone thought it was as well. It feels like there's like a general consensus on that. It's like not that good, not very fun to play. Um, but I think it is still, it's still a decent deck for sure. It's not bad. It's just like not as good. And yeah, I think the biggest thing is it's just not very fun to play at all. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, it winning isn't a huge surprise. I guess two in the mirror is a little bit of a surprise. Um, it was a best of one tournament, I believe. Um, uh, 177 players, so a little bit less, I feel like, to always take away from these these style of tournaments. Like the best of one, I feel like, adds a little bit more variance to them. Um, I don't know. Maybe that leans into like Lugia being a better play as well. I, I don't know. I assume it was best two out of three top 16, though. Is it, what does it say there? Yeah, it says best of three top 16 cut. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> so... Yeah, I recognize some of these names as well from some of these players. I mean, I think there's some like worlds qualifiers in here. I recognize like Colin Tang's name, Aaron um, Minjut. I feel like I've seen these names before. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Lugia doing well. Is there anything else interesting in that top cut? There's a couple Lost Box, a couple Tinas. Yeah, a couple Gardevoir as well. Um, some Arceus toolboxy decks, right? Like you were saying. So another Lugia kind of a little farther down. So yeah, there's a, a definitely a, a mix of things going on here. Um, but I feel like, I mean, this is something to to at least think about and make note of. But I feel like mo most people are going to be looking at EUIC results, probably just because a lot of people don't even like this is not on a lot of people's radar. The the fact that this tournament even happened. Yeah. Um, so most people are going to be looking at the EUIC and people are also probably going to be looking at the play limitless results. And I guess that would be a good question as well. Like, where do you kind of weight the results from these online tournaments that have been happening? You know, a lot of these things have a decent amount of people in them, right? Oh, this was a VG event <laughs> <laughs> that I clicked on initially. But I mean, some of these things have, you know, 100-ish people in them. I mean, Lugia did win this one most recently. Where do you weight, you know, how you consider the meta for online events versus the meta for EUIC, which is maybe a little bit, I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. Where, do, where does it kind of stand for you? Yeah, I mean, the online events are going to be like a little bit of a natural evolution from EUIC. So I definitely put a little bit of weight into them. And I think like one of the things, like I mentioned, like, Especially when, like, if you tie, like, if you have an idea or a feeling about a deck and then it's kind of reflected in online tournaments, um, you know, that kind of, like, helps you out with that. Um, that's definitely something we see with, like, I said, like, Lugia. I don't, it doesn't feel great to me. Uh, Lugia's been going, like, pretty downhill in online tournaments. The, uh, 
it's no longer in like the top three most played. It's like down at fifth, sixth, usually like seven, five to seven percent um, is its current uh, meta share in these online tournaments. Uh, everything else is about the same, though. Guardi, Mew, Lost Zone Box, Gudra, all up ahead of it. Um, Lugia gets to hang out with Lost Zone Tina, unfortunately, for <laughs> I feel bad for Lugia because of that. But yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely feel like it's a little bit of a natural evolution. We saw Garvor get a lot more popular after EUIC as well. Toward, of course, getting second place with that, kind of proving it. Uh, and even though Shamansky won, I feel like the Arceus toolbox type decks gained a little bit of steam for a little bit. But even if you asked Alex if Alex's deck was probably good after UIC, Alex would probably even say no. Um, and yeah, I don't think that deck is very good, like moving moving past it. So it not seeing much play or success in online tournaments isn't like a huge surprise. Um, and yeah, Lost Box, I guess Mew gained a little bit of steam as well after UIC. It's just kind of been like a natural progression. Uh, post UIC, kind of like a lot of things that you'd kind of expect. Um, kind of decks proving themselves as being good, and some other decks probably proving that they're not as good as some people thought thought they were as well. I mean, and kind of falling off in popularity. It feels to me we're in a meta, and maybe one of the first in a long time, where there does not feel like there is a clear BDIF. There's not yeah. like a without a doubt this is the best deck in the format that everyone's trying to beat. I, mean, I feel like we had that with Lost Origin a little bit. Um, although I think it probably was Palkia. And we just sure. had it, the, the meta needed to evolve a little bit more for like, because it was the most popular deck at the last regional, I believe, in that format, Palkia was. Um, but yeah, I think we're at the point where like Palkia was probably the best deck overall in the format. Um, yeah, I, I think I think in this format as well. Yeah, I don't think there's a clear BJF. I mean, like my tier one is probably Guardi and Turbo Lost Box. But then besides that, um, everything else, a lot of other decks are really close to them in power level um and there's a lot of deck there is a lot of decks um to like place uh, after that for sure so you talked a little bit about alex shemansky's euic winning deck and usually you know people will take the deck that won at the last tournament and that is going to be the deck that's going to be most popular moving forward for at least like the first tournament or it'll be at least uptick in meta share and i do expect there to be more arceus variants of decks at portland than there was at euic as far as like meta share percentage goes but Arceus, Duraludon, Vulpix, specifically with the double Drapion, you know, Alex, more Alex-focused style of deck. Do you think there's a place for it in the metagame moving into Portland? Uh, probably not, no. It doesn't seem like there's a great um, a great space for it right now. It doesn't seem very good. Um, most Guardies are, like, playing, like, the like I've seen Guardies, like, playing the Mimikyu EX or just understanding the matchup better. Um, so that's going to be a tough matchup that's become a more popular matchup as well. Or even just like having two gust effects in the deck makes the matchup a lot harder because yeah. now you can chase everything around the Vulpix a lot faster uh, and then just end up with that Ralts that uh, then you end up with the Ralts in play that takes away the that like limits your attack from there. So yeah, I would say I don't think it seems very good right now. Maybe some kind of arc pile deck in general will be okay. Um, but I don't think like exactly Arc Dura or like what Shemansky had going on would be the would be like 100% what you would have to play. There could be a couple of different ways to to rock it right now, but none of them seem great. I would say for sure. Yeah, I wonder how the Gudra matchup is for Arc Pile. So I think I looked at Alex's results and I think he went like one 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 against it uh, or something like that. I mean, Volpix hits through the effects. Duraludon hits through effects, right? Um, so I feel like it's probably it's decent, favorite. right? Yeah, for, I'd imagine it's favorite. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so with that, though, like, 
that that to me was probably the one deck that your deck didn't have like a clear strategy against. Um, you know, he was trying to counter the Lugias, the Gardevoirs, and the Muse, right? So it, it, Gudra was the deck that kind of popped up that he didn't have like a clear strategy against, but it feels like he just kind of naturally had a good matchup there, right? Yeah, because you force him into like the Gudra V and attack him with that and then to like deal with your Vulpix and you just KO them, right. want to KO them with Dura. Well, they do play four rope in the Gudra deck, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe maybe you can be oppressive enough with that, but also you're the less consistent deck, right? Arc is going to be hitting first as well. Sure, um, sure, sure. So you have that going for you as well. And you can always like bench another Arc down or even your Guardi to push up around the ropes in the early game situation. So, um, yeah. I think probably one of the biggest detractors for Alex's deck going into Portland is that Lugia is probably going to be less popular. Even if it doesn't, like, I don't think Lugia is going to fall off ever, right? Like, it's not going to go away completely. It's still just really powerful. But I don't think it's going to be as popular as what is in EUIC. And I looked at his uh, Pokey Stats live stuff. I'll see if I can pull it up. Um, I'm pretty sure he played four Lugia in Europe, uh, which is just four free wins because I imagine none of them played outs to um, Duraludon, and he just won the game. Yeah, I'm sure some people had out. A uh, decent amount of people actually had outs that are out on though. There's a decent amount of Dura out there in the Lugias. Um, it is possible that uh, he did oh, beat yeah, Trevor, who yeah. got top eight. Yeah, yeah, and that kind of comes down to who can kind of chase first, right? Because if you can chase their Dura on with your Dura on, you're winning. But if they chase your Dura on uh, with their Dura on first, and I feel like the Arc deck is just better at that, right? You have Starbirth, you're going to be able to get the pieces to make that chase happen sooner. So I feel like you do favor um the arctur in that situation for sure um but like yeah it definitely like there is like the lugia deck will have enough but yeah i think that yeah, that'll definitely hurt the deck a little bit there'll be less lugia um and less more of the lugias will probably have that dur or the single strike urshifu right like that's kind of been the the trend for lugia so they're gonna have the answers for your duraludon most of them will have it more consistently so that also hurts the deck as well so it seemed like coming out of euic you mentioned how gardevoir got a lot more popular in the um coming days after EUIC on the online tournaments in large part because it was the new fun deck that everyone wanted to try out, but toward had the proven like good list for people to go based off of. Should people still be referencing that list when they're building for Portland or is there reason to make changes from towards list? Um, what do you think about the V union version? That's kind of like a little bit of a different deck. Almost. It feels like, yeah, I guess just different win cons at the end of the game. Um, is V union worth playing? Maybe um i'm not a huge fan of the v union because it just make you just like that much more clunky right like it just adds that much more clunk for all your other matchups it is decent it is good against lost box for sure uh specifically very good against Sablezard. but then your other all your other matchups suffer because of it right like i think one of the big strengths of towards build um was the consistency factor right which is something that toward is known for yeah. um yeah, so the consistency factor, I think, was just like a big deal. Now, the meta is going to be a little bit more stabilized. So I think you can start to cut into the consistency of the Guardi deck a little bit for some powerful tech cards. But um, yeah, consistency is always going to be good in every single matchup. Whereas, like, the tech card, the MeTV Union, four dead cards until you literally set it up. And in some matchups, it's the same thing as just attacking with like another Zacian V um, or just attacking sometimes with your Guardi, right? So it doesn't even matter that you set up your MeTV Union to like close out a game. You could have just used another Zacian V instead. So. And then the list does change a little bit. Like a lot of the lists that I've seen for the MeTV always look pretty greedy, like in terms of like four ultra ball counts and stuff like that. So you're cutting into like just like your research counts and stuff like that. You're playing less research. You have less like just good raw one of draw supporter cards that you can just have. And all of a sudden you're drawing seven new cards. So 
Um, I think the best way to play it is still the way that kind of towards showcased your lost box matchup is unfavorable, but um, the other ones sacrifice matchup spreads in every other matchup. So yeah, I feel like it's not worth the trade off. Just hope to not hit too many lost box. And then the ones you beat just get turned to rare candy guardian, I guess. Yeah. So I think that those are the kind of, that's one of the two big questions for guardy players going into Portland is, is it okay? Like, do I really just take a bad la- lost box matchup? And it sounds like you think that the answer might just be yes um and especially after like the mirage gate lost box builds kind of didn't do the best at euic and we only saw uh, pedro torres in top eight with his sable zard version of the deck you maybe it's okay for you to take a, a rough matchup there you can still i mean obviously like if it's a bad matchup if it's 70 30 you can still win 30 percent of the time right like you can still find ways to win sometimes but um, so that, I think that's one of the big questions is it okay to take the bad loss box matchup. And the other one is, is it worth worrying about Vulpix, right? Because towards list, it had answers, right? Um, but it doesn't always work out the best. You mentioned people playing the Mimikyu EX. I've seen people playing escape rope. Um, yeah. I've been trying to play an escape rope plus a Serena in my guardian when I've been playing similar to what Tord had, um, you know, cutting a couple cards for those things. What do you think about if it's worth playing an answer for Vulpix? Uh, I mean, I think the Serena is like is naturally already like a pretty good answer because then you just follow up, like you just KO everything around the Vulpix, and then you just use the Ralts, and they then they can't attack. Yeah. And then they have to bench something, switch out, switch back in, and then that's your target for your last couple prize cards. So I don't think there's a a great answer. Like I think the deck just the guardy like very needs very little. And some people have gone as far as like cutting like like if you're playing the two station V, you can cut one of them for a Mimikyu EX and then that just KOs uh the card right there. Or like some people have been playing like Path to the Peak as like an answer for like mirror match. So you go Roxanne Path. So that's also an answer to um the uh Vulpix. the Vulpix. So you can like Roxanne Path and Mirror Match, and then you also just have Path to Shut Off Zation's ability or remove it basically from play, which means Zation can one hit KO the Vulpix now. So it's like yeah, I feel like there's it's just the deck's just not good right now. Alex's deck. And like I even said, like I think if you asked Alex, Alex would also probably tell you, yeah, the deck's not good anymore. I think it's had its had its time, but it could come back around, right? As as like this is how point, those anti-meta decks work, right? Yeah. <laughs> you just need it to like everyone to stop caring about it and, and not too many people playing the little things that matter. Um, or come up with something a little bit different, but maybe still cares about some of the current situations, and then like that changes around, and then you can uh get dubs with the deck once again. And then is there any merit to other versions of Gardevoir? You know, people were trying out Klefki things for a while. The Hatterini Klefki thing was something that was making its rounds as far as what people were talking about. Is anything that like that worth people considering? Um, if you're doing the Klefki, I think you have to do it with Hatterini because if you just have two Klefki in play to play around escape rope, your opponent will eventually draw the stuff they need to do something, and you're not really doing anything. Uh, and then once they do something, you just have two clef keys in play that are like easy prize cards. So I don't even know if like you win the prize trade even once you like set up guardies around your clef keys. So you need like the uh bless you. You need the you need the Hatterene V. The Hatterene, like, sorry, I said Hatterene, Hatterene V to actually like draw prize cards while you're stalling with clef key to actually put some kind of pressure on, I feel like. But even that kind of build, once again, that's like four, you're probably playing like two to three clef key, probably three, plus the Hatterene. You're basically in the Mewtwo V Union situation again where you have all these cards for one matchup, and then all your other matchups are going to suffer because of that. Um, hey, pretty big, so. Consistency is king in the Pokemon TCG. Sometimes, yeah. Um, and speaking of uh, consistency, or what has been maybe one of the most consistent decks over the past few years, but it has been feeling pretty clunky. The lack of Quick Ball, I feel that big time. Uh, but yeah, Mew Max uh, did get 
third place Pablo Meza did. And it seems like everyone's pretty much adopted this style of build like pretty quickly afterwards. And I think it's for good reasons. So I think it's a very good, clean list. There are some things that I think um, probably should get changed. Like I haven't been a big fan of the fan of waves. And then I think the path count of four and vacuum count of four is like a little high. It feels a little clunky. Um, but the rest of it besides that, you know, super clean. Um, and Muse Ben, like it definitely wasn't, I didn't, uh, like me and my group didn't really respect Mew at UIC at all. And I still don't think the deck is great. Like it's not like a tier one, uh, this is maybe the weakest Mew has ever been. I think it's definitely possible. Um, but it's still still, still in there. Still kicking. Has a rough time if there's too many Drapions around, but there's not too much of that right now. So yeah, Mew's still definitely a, a top dog. Yeah, so I think the count of four lost vacuum is pretty good. And one of the reasons for it is it's one of the best ways for you to thin cards out of your hand with Quick Ball yeah, being gone. That's true. Um, and then Path to the Peak being a four of, it's it's just kind of your strategy in pretty much every matchup for path. So you go slam path plus play judge, and then you have the four vacuums to hopefully get rid of it. Um, so yeah, I played Mew the last couple of times I've played Pokemon. I played it at my local league and then I played it at the league cup. Um, I played pretty much just Pablo's list. I think I might've changed one card for my local league, but for my league cup, I actually changed up quite a bit. I had, um, a spirit gloves. Is it spirit gloves? I think cleansing Is that gloves. What it's called? cleansing gloves. Uh, in the deck, which is, I think, pretty good uh, tool card for anyone who doesn't know that makes it so your attacks do 30 more damage to your opponent's active psychic type Pokemon. So it still works as a choice belt against like the mirror match against opposing Mew Maxes. But uh, the main reason it's in here is so you can psychic leap uh, Curly or yeah, Curlia's, Ralts's, and Comfies, stabilize like so many things in the format. It also helps you, you can... reach for the the one hit KO on the Guardiax. Yes, exactly. So it lets you do all of these things a lot easier. Um, so cleansing gloves, I actually think is probably you know just good. I don't know if it's worth. I, so I cut a choice belt. I went to one choice belt, one gloves, which I think is okay. It might still be worth it to have two belts in the deck just for the more consistent damage on Pokemon V. But you know, as there's you know EX is popping up in the format choice belts value is going to go down a little bit even though i guess the only ex right now is pretty much going to be um the gardevoir but yeah you could run into the maridon every once in a while that would probably be the only other one um i put a third forest seal stone in the deck to just up the consistency and it also gives you another because the thing with lost vacuum it is a way to get cards out of your hand as long as there's something for you to target with lost vacuum in play right so having another tool card to just kind of be able to target with that is nice the tools are also kind of weird, though, because you can't cramomatic them away <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Because uh, they're not item cards. I've had that come up so much where I forget that when I play Mew online. I like, go, all right, I'm going to cram here. And then it takes away my tablet. I'm like, what? Why did it do that? <laughs> Why yeah. didn't it eat the, the choice belt <laughs> or the four seal stone? <laughs> it says item on the card. What the yeah, heck? Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and then but, probably the know. most unique thing that I did, and shout outs to Xander Perot for this idea, is um, I played no nest ball. And I played three Feather Ball in the deck and one Hisuian Heavy Ball. Just use Battle VIP Pass and Ultra Ball to go get Genesex. And then having a heavy count of Feather Ball to still find my basic Mew Vs. Hisuian Heavy Ball is almost always going to find you a basic, it feels like, with eight Pokemon in your deck. You're, that's pretty much always going to be an out to something. Uh, because Nest Ball, unlike Quick Ball, is not a card that you can just play. Right, you can't just yeah. play it out of your hand if you have a bench of five Pokemon, and this is a deck where you always want a bench of five Pokemon, pretty much. So um, that was something that I was like super 
when when Xander like suggested that to me, I was like, dude, that there's just no way. Like Nest Ball's too good. And you know, we talked about <laughs> it a little bit more and I kind of came around. I was like, okay, I can see it. I can see it. I tried it out and it, it honestly like I mean, I did not feel like obviously it's a small sample size of a six round league cup with two games in top cut. Um or two matches in top cut, but I never felt like consistency was an issue for the deck at all. Yeah, I could see the feather bobbing a little bit better because I definitely have those hands in the middle of the game where you just like the, the nest balls are stuck. There's so much more stuff that gets stuck in your hand with this kind of build of view with this many vacuums, like I said, in the paths and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of stuff that gets stuck in your hand um, and the feather balls you can always play. And it's right. more out to new VMAX too, right? So it's like you only need so much consistency to set up turn one, but you also want to be able to attack turn two. So it's like more outs to your your muse as well but yeah the deck definitely misses quick ball for sure it might miss quick ball the most out of like any deck <laughs> you even i can might. see that a lot of decks a lot of a lot of decks feel like they don't care that quick ball's gone they would play it if they had it but um i guess lugia misses it probably a little bit more ways to discard archaeops would be nice but um but yeah muvi max definitely misses the quick balls but yeah, i could see that being uh, just more feather balls could be the could be the move for sure definitely see it so we've seen Fusion Mew popping up a little bit in online events here and there. Do you think there's merit to giving that a go for um, for Portland ever? Or is kind of just the more consistent build the way to lean into? Um, Probably. Was there any Fusion Mew that made day two at EUIC? Now I'm kind of curious. I'll look real quick. I don't remember off the top of my head. I would say probably... Nope, there was not. <laughs> were they lumped in with? No, there was at least. No, uh, they weren't lumped in. Yeah, they are. I'm looking at the card breakdown. There's fusion energy in. <laughs> there's oh. one point twenty six. There's one point twenty. Uh, one point twenty six fusion energy in nineteen deck lists. So that's someone had it. Yeah. So at least one per. How many is that though? That's more than one. I'm gonna I think. find it. Yeah, that is more than one. It was yeah, it's one, a lot more two, than one. three, four, five, six players with Fusion okay. U. Okay. The best so finishing one though was 75th. So there was not That's even a top not... 64. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I was talking about. I was. I mean, I don't think anything has changed from Fusion U. Like, I don't think your your Guardian matchup might be a little bit better because you're taking KOs faster, but then you don't have like the constant disruption of judges and Roxanne's. Your Lost Box this player did play two this player had disruption and fusion mew together which we don't see too often it's two judge one roxanne two pad everything yeah yeah okay, this is it this is the kitchen sink right <laughs> <here>. <laughs> yeah i don't feel like fusion Mew's because your lost box matchup is worse for sure because you're less based around judge and path um so your lost box matchup suffers your control in the mirror match suffers as well less disruption less path um, and I don't think you're, you're getting too much of a gain in the Guardian matchup potentially either. So, yeah, I feel like Fusion Muse kind of on its way out for right now. But might come back around, especially if, like, Lost Box leaves the form. I think that'd be, like, the big thing to change things around for it. And speaking of Lost Box, that's next up on the list for us to talk about. Of course, Pedro made top uh, four with his Sableye Charizard version of the deck. There was a few top 16s from the... Mirage Gate focused builds. Actually, was it just one? Yeah, it was just Nick Moffat in 16th. Oh no, sorry, Tyler Matthews at 15th as well. So yeah. um, but I mean Lost Box was toted going into EUIC is like this is the deck, right? I mean, this is the best deck in the whole format. And it kind of I mean, is it fair to say that it underperformed at EUIC? I think one not being in top eight definitely qualifies that as underperforming. Like yeah. the turbo build, the Mirage Gate build, whatever you want to call it, definitely feels like it underperformed a little bit. Um, I was actually just noticing how many U.S. flags were in 
uh, the top half of that right there. I was just like, <laughs> America showed out, baby. And U.S. was the second biggest. I mentioned this. I, I was like, I think U.S. will probably be the second biggest country at UIC, and it was. Yeah, behind um, Great by, Britain. Yeah, by a decent amount too. Like it was ahead of third by. It was almost double, I think. I don't remember, but it was quite a bit. Um, but yeah, Lost Box obviously still really good. I like Sable's art a lot still. I don't think I would. I don't want to play a Mirage. I wouldn't want to play a Mirage Gate build, but I've been experimenting with some other builds. Like I tried to build the other day with just like two Snorlax as the only real Mirage Gate attacker, just like being as straightforward as possible, basically. Uh, and that felt pretty good, to be honest. So um, there's a lot of different ways to play the Mirage Gate stuff. Um, not as much ways to play the Sable's Arch stuff. I think the biggest thing to decide with Sable's Arch is like, do you play the the Mawile package or not? But I think both decks are really strong right now. Like I think they're both, like, like I said, turbo lost box like the straight up turbo feels like it is like uh, a step above the other lost box like just overall for matchup spread not necessarily in the mirror match but then under that there's a bunch of different ways to play the mirage gate builds we've been seeing like, like nick moffitt with the kyogre got top 16 we've seen a bunch of other kyogre builds popping up a bunch of different ways to play the mirage gate stuff and then sables art itself yeah like i said the only thing really to decide with sables art i think is cross switchers or no cross switchers and then my wild pidgeotto Paget pidgeotto package or not <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think if if you play Sable's Art as well, I mean, is Drapion going in there? Yeah, I think I'd probably play the Drapion this time around. Um, <laughs> you will probably be ten percent of the meta as always. Yeah, didn't go anywhere. Yeah, I was not respecting that at all for EYC, but it showed up. Definitely showed up. Yeah, I mean, so it seems like you're kind of leaning into the Sable's Art, liking that a little bit more. But when it comes to the Mirage Gate builds, there's kind of a couple things out there. Obviously, you want OCIC with a Sky Seal Stone package. It seems like Sky Seal Stone has kind of fallen pretty far down the ranks of Lost Box decks right now. If you're, it, it seems like it's either Sable Charizard or, um, Forest. like the Mirage Gate, like Turbo builds with the Forest Seal Stones, Dragonite, Raikou, all that stuff. We're starting to see like Kyogre builds that have like no V yeah, Pokemon in them true. now as well. So I guess like the other, and I think they're all good. I think they're all good. Uh, the biggest thing to kind of like separate them is like they're the mirror matches are all pretty similar. I think Sable's Art has the most room to tech for mirror, but you don't have the Greninja, so that's kind of like the drawback. Um, but then they're all pretty similar, right? Like uh, it's like really like where where what is your strength in your other matchups that you would play this deck over a different deck, right? Yeah. Um, so not playing V Pokemon is nice, but then you don't have Forest Seal Stone to be more consistent because I definitely think that is like the double Forest Seal Stone build. I feel like just is the most consistent build. Like I feel like um, I make the biggest plays happen most consistently with that build. And also there's a potential of Turn One Mirage Gate as well going second, right? Turn One Greninja, Turn One Dragonite, like all super powerful things that you can do that none of the other builds can really pull off if they go second. They kind of have to settle for Cram or even Whiffing Cram and that kind of stings. So Nick Moffat had a pretty interesting build. He got top 16 with him. We haven't really talked about this yet in our episodes since EUIC, but I mean, it's definitely different from what we've seen from Lost Box in the past. It's a Kyogre deck, but he's got the Galarian Moltres in here. He's also got Snorlax in here. What were your kind of takes on this build? Do you like it? I did try it out a bit. felt a little wonky. It's actually what inspired me to try the build with just Snorlax. And because I was, I was trying out Nick's build and I was just winning games with just Sableye, Cram, and Snorlax. And I was like, what if it was just more consistent and I had another Snorlax in here? <laughs> and sure. then I made the double Snorlax build. And that build has felt really good. Um, Kyogre is still pretty powerful. Uh, the Moltres is like a little gimmicky. It's a little bit awkward. There's no way to search it into hand, which I feel like is like, if I could do that, uh, the deck would feel way more powerful. I mean, you can get it on the bench. I think it's just Clara, right? Yeah, so you have to like, get it on the bench, have it get KO'd, and then you can... Oh, yeah, like, there's like, no way to discard yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You can't no, get it no, in the no, hand here's your way. You, you until you draw it. it. Pokey stop it. <laughs> yeah, you can Pokey stop it, yeah. Which is like probably what Moffat did a little bit. Um, but yeah, the Pokey stops are... 
they feel a little risky. There's no pow pad in like the decks. So I don't know. The this build felt okay. Um, I tried it out a little bit. A lot of stuff going on. Um, little gimmicky. Um, I feel like Kyogre in general right now is very susceptible to judge because just re getting your hand reset over and over it makes it really hard to get to the deck out point. Um, but there's not that much judge in the format to be honest. The only decks that really play judge are um, Arceus oh, and there's quite a Mew. Lugia as well. Actually, no, there's quite a bit of judge in the format. Yeah, Guardi also plays it, but it's just a one of, right? Yeah, so Guardi like is judging you sometimes. So yeah, the, your Guardi matchup is already like, solid because you're a lost zone deck. You plays a lot of judge, but like you can go pretty. You can with this kind of build, you have a couple different routes you can take. You can go the Moltres route and just like KO two Mew V maxes, or have that become part of your plan, or just like get to Kyogre eventually and you just kind of win. So I feel like mm-hmm. because you need so little to beat Mew with this kind of build that. Even if they're judging you all the turn, you just you just keep turboing through your deck. You'll get the Kyogre combo eventually. It's kind of the uh, the game plan. Um, but yeah, I felt okay. I think I'd like to try a little build that's like a little bit more straightforward with Kyogre. Um, and give that a give that a shot first, or give that a shot first before I go back to what Moffat's. Like. Also, Moffat like the cool, the interesting thing about Moffat's list is there was no Battle VIP pass. It was just Fall Crystal level ball, yeah, S balls. Um, so that was interesting. Um, and after playing with it as well, it definitely felt worse than having battle VIP passes. So I'm not sure I like the no battle VIP pass shenanigans going on. Um, but also, I hate battle VIP pass, so I'm kind of uh, I'm torn here. <laughs> All my homies hate battle VIP pass. <laughs> it's literally the the best worst card in the format. I think it's like pretty unfortunate that it exists. But once it goes, I think the format will get quite a bit better. So I'm excited for that. Well, it's going to be around a while. So yeah, more rotations. <laughs> No, I think it actually does leave with the next rotation because it's Infusion Strike, so it's the same set as Mew. Okay. Hopefully. Something like that. We'll see, we'll see. Um, mm. That's a while away regardless. Next deck to <laughs> talk about, though, is one that I actually think is going to be pretty heavily played in Portland, and that is Gudra. So Gudra kind of picked up a little bit of steam heading into EUIC. Nobody was really talking about it in the couple of weeks leading up to it, but then like it felt like that week of it kind of really yeah. got on a lot of people's radar. Um, and then ended up having a pretty good showing. It had the best conversion rate from day one to day two of any deck at EUIC. And then Aiden Koos was able to get into top eight with his build with the double Drapion in it. So Gudra V-Star, what do you think? You think it's going to be pretty prevalent in Portland? No, I think it's pretty solid. Yeah, I think Gudra's pretty good. I gave it like a pretty... I did like a tier list recently. I gave it like tier three, I think. But I think it is probably a tier two deck after I played with it a little bit more. It's It's solid. It just does beat a lot of things you got a little bit of room for some tech cards like we saw um the ninth place gudra i forget who it was but they got ninth with gudra they play like an articuno in there yeah um so you got some cool stuff going on uh in the builds there's like, like i said there's a little bit of room for some techs uh yeah just like it fits well into the meta right now you hold up fine against like lost box your guardian matchup even though it seems like it might be terrible it's actually just like not bad um yeah your guardian matchup is actually okay so I think it just fits pretty solidly in the meta right now against most of the most of the top decks and keep up for sure. Um, your your Lugia matchup is probably going to get a little bit tougher because people are going to like the single strike Dura route, but mm-hmm. um, I think it's going to be less Lugia overall to have to worry about. So I think it'll be okay. Yeah, I could see Gudra like, yeah, I, I like I said, I think Gudra is going to be probably like I, I could see it second or third most popular for sure. Maybe third. I don't know about second. We'll see. get higher than we'll Lost see. Box Mew and Lugia. I don't know, man. That's tough. We'll see. Uh, speaking of Lugia, that's next up on our list to discuss. We both kind of talked about how it feels like it's on a little bit of a downswing. I guess Definitely. maybe the question going in is, 
this like how heavy do we lean into the duraludon right do we play the impact energies do we play the duraludon or are we going back to kind of the lists that were more popular previous to uic i think you play the duraludon or the single strike urshifu because it gives you an engine mirror and if they have it and you don't you're at a disadvantage and we saw the two lists that made top eight both had duraludon right uh, i think it was yeah. a little bit more of a surprise factor that helped both of them get to top eight but um yeah, with Gujra being such a popular deck, you need one of them to answer the Gujra. Otherwise, Gujra's tough without that. Tjar can only go so far with the V Guard energy. Uh, so yeah, I think I think everyone's gonna have one of those two. And like, if all the Lugia, if the Raladon's popular, then you want to be playing Single Strike Urshifu. But if Raladon's not popular, you want to be playing Duraludon in your Lugia because I feel like Duraludon is the more powerful of the two options. Duraludon versus Single Strike Urshifu. Um, Urshifu is more of an answer to the meta, whereas like Duraludon is just like kind of neutrally good, right? True. So I would say you want to be playing Duraldon, but if Duraldon is popular enough, you kind of have to play the single strike Urshifu to be, be able to have a good response to Duraldon. I think yeah, Lugia I see... in general, on a downswing for sure, I'm not a big fan of it. The deck feels super bad to play. It just does not feel good to play. I don't think it's a bad deck, but super unenjoyable to play. I think, yeah, it's not as good as everyone thought, um, especially now that the cat's out of the bag with the Duraldon stuff and everyone kind of knows about that. Like it's something that people are more prepared against, know how to deal with. Um so yeah, yeah, the deck is just not enjoyable to play. So something that might have scared people off of Lugia for EUIC uh, would have been kind of the hype built up around Mawile. Definitely seems like something that a lot of people were playing heading into EUIC. I mean, you yourself played Mawile at EUIC. Yeah. Do you think that Lugia should be worried about that? Do you keep the Thornton in the deck or the Penny or anything like that? Um, I mean, it's pretty much established now that the only deck that's not always, but usually is playing Mawile. Like I think I think almost every Sable Zard list that I've seen has the yeah. Mawile in it. So almost almost every almost everyone has the Mawile in there. Um, but it's a pretty small percentage of the deck, right? Like Sable Zard is like what a five percent meta deck, maybe can get up to seven. Um, so it's pretty it's a pretty low meta percentage. Um, not all of them play the Mawile. I've been testing out builds without Mawile most recently, you know, because like I feel like most people have the answers. Uh, but I feel like Thornton is already such a strong card in like this build we're looking at here. This is one of the top eight lists, right? Mm -hmm. um thornton is already such a strong card in the deck like i feel like you you probably just want to play the thornton and then it also is just like naturally an out of any mobile sh shenanigans as well like i feel like it just makes sense yeah i think the thornton is pretty solid i mean if it comes your i i do think i would still probably put two tyranitar v in no. the deck it's just like the best attacker in the deck and almost every thornton. matchup thornton is the second one luminian for thornton the yeah, bro, but you, you need the one, the luminian away. The one. what if he's not there Azul? we need he's him. never prized we have dura <laughs> bro you did not just say that <laughs> he's never sometimes prized. Prized. but yeah no i think i like the, the thornton just naturally kind of feels like it works really well in the deck so i think like just keeping the thornton you might as well play the thornton um but yeah a lot of people some people have penny there's people with escape rope as well especially if you go like the more uh, straightforward aggressive build i feel like the escape rope is probably your best option there like if you're playing the the no drought on no single strike urshifu which i think you should be playing one of them you should go into that reasoning onto why you're playing whatever the other um or which one you should be playing um but then the escape rope i feel like is better in the more straightforward build but then uh, and the penny's interesting as well because the penny penny is also like a little bit of a liability limiter right like you yeah, got that luminian your on your bench play, right? i feel like collapse stadium is so powerful in the lugia deck like most people I mean, thornton does that, that as well but, thornton also gets yeah. your luminian out of play that is true, but you do have to put something back, I guess. It's a little bit more demanding of a card to set up. But yeah, I think, yeah, most people will probably be playing one of them. I don't think it's essential. Um, but the Thorn just, like, yeah, works so well in the current builds that are kind of going to be the top build. So we'll probably see it. Probably see it in most. And the last deck that made top eight we haven't talked about yet is the Maridon. So 
Uh, we were both not super high on the ride on going into EUIC, but Robert Kinbrum was able to make top eight with it. We've talked about this list a little bit. It definitely seems really interesting with three Cramomatic Super Turbo 15 Lightning Energies. Azul, do you think we'll uh, see a showing nope. from Maridon in Portland? <laughs> no, the deck is Maridon. I think it's just, I think it is potentially a powerful deck. However, I think it is bad in the meta. Um, and then also, I tried to play this list the other day on stream, and I bricked two or three games in a row, and then I put it away. <laughs> like literally, I opened Raikou one of the games. I was like, draw energy, use Raikou's ability, energy. Okay, pass. Back to my turn. Draw energy, Raikou's ability, energy. Okay, concede. <laughs> so yeah. um no I, and i think Maridon is a little bit better than that as a deck it's a super powerful aggressive deck but you just don't have any good matchups you're unfavored against guardy you're unfavored against uh mew especially with lists like this with no drapeon if you get drapeon in there i think your mew matchup is fine you're unfavored against lost box Gujar, you probably hang with i don't know for sure but i think you have you're unfavored against too many of the top decks like why would you ever play a deck like this this isn't like a a beat stick format where you're just like two, two KO two prize or one KO two prize or one KO two prize or one KO two prize, right? It's not that kind of meta right now. I don't think there's space for Maridon, and I think it's a, a pretty bad play overall. I mean, know they got top eight. I think even at EUIC, it was a pretty bad play, and yeah, I don't think it's going to change for Portland. So I did want to talk about Maridon a little bit because that's actually what I lost to in top four of my cup, but it was a super unique build. So it was not playing any Regieleki V Max or Regieleki V. So shout out to. Might be it. Guy Bennett, uh, you know, well-known in the Carolinas region for playing really spicy decks, right? He's like the guy that kind of always shows up with unique things. And he's been playing Pokemon for a long, long time. He's been around for a long while. Um, guy is the guy. Guy is the guy. So, he, yeah, his deck was just Turbo Lightning Box, right? It was just Maridon, Raikou. He had Radiant Greninja in there and Zapdos as well to, like, boost the damage. The the Zapdos from Pokemon Go. Um <clears throat> And yeah, I mean, I played him in top four. He chose to go second every single game. And the strategy of his deck was to just hit generator and take two prizes on uh, turn one going second. That's what he tried to do against every single deck he played against. He took it. I mean, he was 4-0 at the cup, right? Uh, double ID into 4-0, into cut. Um, and he played 18 lightning energy in his deck, by the way. Eight. Not whiffing. So he, uh, I will say in one of our games, in top four, he did with a generator oh, completely. No. Did not hit a single energy. <laughs> and it was like an early game one, too. So he was it was like kind of a it was probably not the lowest odds uh whiff, right? Because he plays yeah. so many energies. So I got a little lucky there, but um yeah, did I was all the way up to lose that set. I was up to sixteen in my build before pre EUIC. I was up to sixteen. I did not get to eighteen though, but I still had Reggie's in there, so there's a lot of junk was it like trekking shoes and like everything just like as fast no, as possible no. uh no? switch carts switch carts beat co oh, beach court cart. escape rope so he was using fleet footed a lot did he set up two raikus and you fleet footed twice yeah Ooh, let's go it's plus he two. played three raiku as well and then he also played drapion from you and he also played raichu v to close out the game the so big yeah big hits. yeah big knockout so if he had five energy in play plus zapdos he could do 310 to a mu v max to, to just exp shares no exp shares oh, that's interesting yeah, interesting i mean yeah, maybe that is the way. That sounds like it's a does not have a good loss box matchup. But uh, yeah, maybe yeah. just he did know... beat Sableye Charizard in the finals. So that sounds like a terror. That sounds like the worst of the matchups too, because yep. you don't even have a <laughs> any like two prize liabilities as long as you set up you attack with Cram and Sableye every turn. I feel like the game just ends and they have Charizard to close out. But they got there. He might yeah. have had four switch cards in the deck, and he also had two lost city. So that's something else as oh, well. He had okay, double lost okay. City. So yeah, he was getting rid of yeah. the attackers, yeah. Getting rid of the attackers plus your healing. Okay, I see it now. I can now now I'm like visualize that could work for sure. 
Yeah, you're healing with the switch carts. Does, what does Crystal Cave heal? doesn't heal Lightning Pokemon, does it? It's no, it heals and metal, metal. metal and Dragon. Yep. Need Rough Seas back. So he had double he had double Beach Court, double Lost City in his deck. I mean, maybe everyone's just been playing uh, Maridon wrong. Maybe that, I mean, maybe, right? Like, that could be the way. Like, if that is how you can cheese out the wins against Lost Box, like, if that is enough to beat Lost Box, then you can definitely beat the other two prize matchups. Guardy still sounds tough at that point. Like, I don't think your Guardy matchup gets much better for what you got on board. Um, but maybe not. Maybe it works. That'd be, that's actually a really interesting, really interesting build for sure. Um, yeah so i mean been obviously right like someone just played at a league cup i'm not expecting it to make waves in portland right? yeah but <laughs> i'm just saying like i think there's still some unexplored territory potentially with Maridon. um Definitely. a deck that i really want to talk about that i think actually is super underexplored right now is the urshifu intellion deck so i mean i think this deck is obviously very very powerful anything that can steal extra turns right through the use of metacham v is going to be really good you know, using Metacham into using GMAX Rapid Flow the next turn can just win you the game really, really fast. I think that probably the main reason we just haven't seen more from this deck yet is that um, it's hard to play. It's definitely it's really to difficult to play. And, you know, it got top 16, which is a super solid finish at an international championships with over 1,500 people at it. But it still just feels like it's kind of flown under the radar. What do you think of this deck, Azul? Yeah, it's got a lot of options and a lot of things you can do. I just don't know how good it is. It's really hard to tell how good a deck like that actually is. Um, you have to put a lot of time into it. I haven't put that much time into it. I tried like a straight Inteleon build, which felt kind of cool. Um, of course, that does suffer in the... I didn't play any like Drapion, so I was suffering in the Mew matchup. I actually did beat a Mew with it, but um, I think you can keep up with like Lost Box. Guardi seems fine. Uh, even Guja seems like it's probably fine because you can kind of loop. Actually, Guja seems like it might be tough. Like, even if you do loop some Comfies with Metacham, you're still not doing very much damage to the Gudra. <laughs> that one seems well, like so it's you tough. Do, if you steal a turn with Metacham, you do hit the Gudra hard next turn. Rolling Iron doesn't. It, it's only. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd still. And then they heal. But you only do 140 to it. So. Yeah. And then they heal. And they reduce the damage they take by 80 again. Yeah. Uh, that build specifically, there's like escape ropes in there too. Like the build that. Um, what 11th place so yeah i think it is there is like it is like a solid deck um but it's definitely not one of those decks that can kind of handle most matchups right like that's why i feel like lost box is so good because does lost box even have like a bad matchup i feel like the answer is like no right for the most part like ah. unless someone's like heavily you lose the people you're struggling against people who are heavily teched but and, oh, and i'd yeah. say like the same thing for like mew as well right like mew as well as like you don't have a even a decks with double drapion you have your path your judge your roxanne like you can keep up and the matches yeah. aren't terrible, but decks like this, I think, have bad matchups. Um, but I do think like you have, uh, you have good matchups as well. But everyone has good matchups. We have some bad matchups, and like um, the top decks in the format, obviously, matter. So I don't think it's a top deck, but I think it is. Uh, it definitely is something to not underestimate. I know Grant played against this deck in round one of EUIC, and he said it was like an unwinnable matchup for Sableye Charizard, is how he described yeah, it. Yeah, it sounds miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so. think you're winning that one. He wasn't pumped coming off of round one in, in London. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think this deck has a lot of potential. I would love to see someone pick it up and do well with it for sure. Definitely tough to play. Um, another yeah, deck that has a potential for sure. Like if it made top eight, would not be surprised. No, not at all. Um, something else to talk about is Sanders deck from EUIC. So Sander didn't have the best showing. He wait, where is his name on here? He got top. 64 i'm pretty sure um but i mean that's still solid and of course he's playing a control archetype 
where is his name? Why can I not find it on here? But he had a lot of stuff going on in here. It was really focused around um, the penny. We've talked about it on the podcast already before, you know, using penny to loop Ursaluna V so it never gets KO'd, looping the Mimic UVs at some point with its dummy doll ability. Do you think they're, now that this is kind of a known quantity, right? Now that this is out there and people know that this is a deck, do you expect to see some of this popping up in Portland? Uh, yeah, there'll definitely be more of some kind of takes on control. So if you have a little bit better idea of what the meta looks like and what you probably have to beat and what you can probably like take a loss to. Um, so you can like thin down a little bit of, of this deck or like other kind of control builds um, that exist out there. Um, I don't think it's like a ridiculously powerful deck. It's not like I feel like the most powerful control type deck we've seen in a while was the B2B Union deck from... And I see that Sander played. Um, and then Piper yeah. won Toronto with. Uh, yeah, but we haven't seen anything like that in a little while. This is definitely not the next. Next one in line for that kind of uh, that kind of situation. But I think it is it's solid. You have some like pretty good win conditions. It's got a lot of decks. The, the matchup that I've like I played it a little bit the other day on stream. The matchup I struggled against the most was Guardy because they have the Penny. Your win condition is basically Mawile trap something, but you basically can't trap anything because everyone has Penny or like an escape rope or something. So it just becomes really difficult. So that's what I struggled with the most. And yeah. um Guardi's gonna be pretty popular, that's for sure. Yeah, and Guardi, not not a deck that I think it feels good to uh take an L2, but maybe you can I, I mean maybe you don't have to worry about maybe maybe you can get rid of the Mawile strat because I think that was also your strategy against Lugia, right? But you don't need to worry about that now. If Lugia is not as popular, maybe you can find a way to beat Gardevoir in a different way. Who knows? exist that'd be pretty good the deck would become a lot better if that was like yeah if you had a consistent route there because that's like feels like the biggest struggle to me so far yeah it um, might just take more deck space and then i think the last thing to mention um did not have the best showing at euic one in the top 32 and that is giratina so there's a couple tina variants there's of course arceus giratina but the most popular one is going to be the lost zone giratina it was one of the more popular decks day one of an EUIC, but then it really dropped off into day two. Did not have a good conversion rate. Where do you think it stands for MetaShare going into Portland? I wonder who could have predicted that. Um, oh. Probably pretty low. I don't think it'll be in the top six. It won't be on the graph or the the graphic um, for uh, the meta breakdown. I think I think Lost on Tina still is just. I, th I think it literally Lost on Tina is literally a bad deck. Like I think the deck is just actually bad. It's just like trying to like it's like it's like you could take Arceus and put it with I don't know like what is a bad VMAX you could play Arceus with any bad cards and it would be like uh, you could call it Arc no give me a bad VMAX what's about Hatterene Agron. you could play you could play Arc Hatterene VMAX and it would be a deck it would be a bad deck and I feel like that's what Lost on Tina is it is a deck but it is also just a bad deck and for some reason Jeez. there's enough people who play it and consider it to be good enough to like keep it in like the uh, what's it called of like standard meta decks like it's still like it's listed in every like everyone talks about it as like if it's still a standard meta deck but i just don't think it should be i don't think it should be qualified as a deck dude i'm just mashing so too hard. much together tina wins portland <laughs> here it comes i want to change my mind on i want to change my mind on tina tina could win <laughs> it wouldn't change my mind i think the deck is terrible i think it's literally off although arc tina i actually think is is actually a solid deck but I think there's a couple decks. I mean, the, the the one specifically is Mew. I think Mew literally just does what Arctina does, but better. Judge, Path, one hit KO is the game plan. I think 
if you're playing Arctina, you should just be playing Mew. Like, even though Drapion exists, I don't think that's a good enough reason to not play, just play Mew over Arctina. But if you are going to play Arctina, at least you're not playing <laughs> Lost Otina. Yeah. I think Arctina is like a pretty solid deck overall. I just think it's like there's no reason to just not be playing Mew if you're playing Arctina because your win conditions are so similar. Um, and it's overall just a less powerful deck than Mew. So. All right. Well, let's do a couple of predictions here to close out the show. Most played deck for Portland in day one. What do you think, Azul? Uh, probably has to go to the Lost Box still. I feel like that is going to be what it is, Lost Box. I was going to maybe say Guardi. It was Lugia at EUIC, right? Or was no, it was, no, Lost, it was Box. Lost Box. But day two, it was Lugia, right? I think Lugia uh, yes. took over in day yes. two. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give it to Lost Box for day one, I think. It's probably going to be, I think it's a pretty safe bet. Guardi would be close, though. I think Guardi's probably going to be second. Yeah, and Guardi is what I'm going to predict here. I think Guardi is going to uptick and play i mean i think people just naturally like to play the new deck something that's unique something that's different that the majority of people playing in portland will not have been people who were at euic so it's going to be people getting their first chance at this new format and wanting to try the new best deck being that guard of war now that there's a good list for them to kind of base their play testing off of that's what we can go with uh, another question alongside this what's going to be the highest played deck in day two so what do you think is going to have like the best conversion rate i guess as well maybe those are like slightly different questions right but yeah basically yeah i mean not quite the same thing because if we just pick lost box it probably won't have that good of a conversion rate but it'll but i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with mew because i think mew will probably be in the top three my second place would probably be my other one would maybe would be so mew best be conversion Lugia, rate but... or most played day two i guess most played day rate. two Oh, most played. Well, so you think Mew's gonna go up day one to day wait, two? Are we, do, are we doing best conversion rate or most played? I was gonna say it'd be like the number one deck in day two. That's it. Uh, that's kind of surprising that you think. Uh, I think it'll be close. Yeah, I think it'll be close. Me, I'm. It's a little bit of a bold prediction. I'm not like if it doesn't happen, I'm not gonna be shocked. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm gonna go with me. I'm gonna go with me on this one. Yeah, interesting. I could definitely see it. I, uh, I think it's gonna be Guardy day one, day two, double Guardy doubling down now that is unless they i don't know what they're going to do with the graphic yet i wonder if they'll split guardy into like regular guardy and then mewtwo guardy i think if they do that then it doesn't have a chance either way i kind of think they should keep them both the same but i'm not sure what they're going to do just yet um next prediction for us highest placing maridon so neither of us seems to really like the deck that much it obviously got top eight at euic so it's going to give some people some hope someone's going to roll up with the list and maybe someone will flip enough cramomatic heads to find themselves having a deep run in the tournament what do you think is the highest placing maridon uh I almost want to. I'm gonna give it a top 64. Uh, it'll definitely make day two. There'll be some in day two. I'm gonna give it a. That's a. That's a, maybe a little bit rough. That might be a little bit rough. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna go top 64 for uh, Maridon. Yeah, I mean, it'll probably be at least in top 32. But I'm gonna go with top 64. I don't think it's unreasonable to give it the top 64, but I'm gonna go with top 32. I think that's more likely where we're gonna see it. Yeah. And then final and then, prediction for us is control going to make top eight. Now that people know about Sanders deck, is someone going to take that strategy, maybe innovate a little bit and uh, find themselves into a top eight. What do you think is all? It doesn't seem like I said, like Sanders, the Sander deck from, and I'm sure there's other people with other control decks out there. It doesn't seem that powerful. Um, there's plenty of time for people to innovate on it, uh, try different stuff out or already come up with, or already have their own control deck that they're bringing to Portland outside of Sanders deck. Um, and I think no one's really no one's really worried about control factors right now, and I don't really think most people should be like no one really cares about control, which is like yeah. fine. 
Um, so I'm gonna go with will control make top eight. Um, man, it's kind of tough. Nobody's really caring about control, which is normally a good thing for control. But is it, I don't know if control is powerful enough. Exactly. To like, yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna go with no. I'm gonna go with no on the top eight. Yeah, and I'm going to say the same thing, and I think for the yeah. same reasons as what you said as well. Like it's, it seems like no one's caring about it, but maybe there's a reason no one's caring about it because it just isn't super strong right now. But to be honest, even when it is strong, I do think there needs to be like a a placement with it for people to care, right? Oh, for and sure. making top thirty-two. Like if Sanders' deck is more powerful than I think it is, and uh, maybe if you like re-simulate EUIC a couple times, Sander makes top eight a couple times. Um, and a lot more people would care, right? So, like, I think you need that placement for people to care before it, like, actually starts seeing some um, some uh, text against it. But if we re-simulate EUIC, how many times do you make top eight? Uh, ten how many times do you have to? How many times do you have to re-simulate simulate ten times? To... Simulate ten times. Probably at least three. At least three. Okay. I think oh, Sable's art was a pretty good play. I still like Sable's art a lot. Like, I thought it was a pretty good play for the. <laughs> Well, maybe not. I could have to dodge a lot of Mew again. Maybe not. Mew was tough. If you if you give me a Drapion and we <laughs> yeah. simulate it, <laughs> if you let me change my deck now, let me change one card. One card. Let me change one card. Yeah, give me Drapion so I can like beat the Mews. Um, if I hit any of them, we'll be good to go. Well, I think that's gonna do it for this week's podcast. Azul, thanks so much to everyone for listening. Azul, good luck to you up in Portland. Hopefully, you can bring home another top eight finish at least uh yeah thanks to all the listeners as always if you did enjoy the podcast please be sure to leave us a rating on your preferred podcasting platform helps us out a bunch lets us know you're enjoying the content and it helps more people discover the show you can also drop us a like a comment and subscribe over on the youtube channel and if you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on the best place to do that is over on twitter you can follow myself at chip richie azul is at azul underscore gg you can also follow the podcast at uncommon underscore energy yeah, appreciate the support as always good luck to anyone going to portland or sao paulo this weekend either of those regional championships um and then we'll catch y'all next tuesday recap the events of those we'll see actually what does well will there be a control in top eight who knows we'll find out next week 7 a.m peace